Wednesday, the 12th of April. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Dan McHugh here, and I'm joined by Shad Wicker. G'day, Dan. How are you? I'm really good, and I'm really amused that I've had you listed as Shaticus and Shane as Shanus in my notes here for the last month, and no one's commented. Yeah, well, I mean, it's probably you. You're probably the other person that finds it that amusing, mate, if I'm being honest. It's a shame that Shane's not here. I've been stood up. I'm upset. I'm upset, Shane, if you listen. Hey, um, uh, you're in Sydney doing comedy shows this week. Is that right? Yeah, mate, just in Sydney uh, at the wonderful comedy store all this week, which is exciting. It's one of the best gigs in the country, so it's a very, uh, very fun gig to do after being in Melbourne slogging it out for the uh, International Comedy Festival last two weeks the comedy store's awesome I love sitting in there watching it's great oh yeah it's one of the greatest gigs but um, I'll be there this week and over the weekend before I come back to Sydney to do shows for the Sydney Comedy Festival as well so and Brisbane Comedy Festival back home for a bit as well so okay well enough about you Shartikas <laughs> well you asked the question okay? it doesn't make it sound like I was banging on about it uh, let's move on to talking about some tennis surfing NBA AFL, NRL, and more. Afternoon Sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com. So, Shad, this morning the Matildas played England in a friendly match as we lead into the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. And the Matildas have defeated the Lionesses. Yeah, this is huge. 2-0 win. Sam Kerr scoring a goal in the first half that just kind of held it out until we got another one. About midway through in the second from uh, Charlotte Grant. Man, Matildas are on a tear right now. This is a good uh, win as well because the Lionesses, the English side, had not lost a match, uh, although there was a couple of draws in there. So for those that see those as losses, all right, you can count those. Uh, 27 wins, three draws uh, since their loss to Canada way back in April 2021. So they have been awesome. dominating for a while and our Matildas getting the win there. Our friendlies have been quite impressive, I think, leading into the... Uh, FIFA Women's World Cup, which is uh, just under 100 days until that kicks off uh, here in Australia, which is going to be awesome. So you can't say that we're not coming into this tournament in fine form. It's just whether we'll be able to do it when the uh, the dreaded knockouts and such happen when we get here into Australia. But wouldn't it be awesome, though? We did lose to Scotland on Friday, though, didn't we? Yeah, well, yeah, that is true. That was pretty disappointing. But like we said, these are friendlies. When it comes to the main tournament, we're going to have our full-strength squad ready and raring to play. I I personally like our chances at possibly getting into at least the final. Hey, mate, I'm feeling the positivity. Absolutely. Yeah. They did say Sam Kerr was limping at the end of the game. Someone else who... Uh, has limped off the court is Andy Murray after he got smashed by Alex Dimonor at the Monte Carlo Masters. Andy Murray's been having a pretty good run for the last, uh, what, 12 months or so, kind of trying to get back into it. This this clay season, I'm kind of weird that he's been playing. Andy Murray, as we know, like he essentially retired. His hip and his knees, they were just too much for him. And then obviously he made his triumphant return to tennis not too long ago and has been playing great. But clay is notoriously bad for every player. I mean, it's just a, it's astonishing why someone like Nadal's been able to dominate on that surface for so long. But his return to clay has ended uh, after that loss to Alex Dimonor. And I joined the tennis community that are kind of 
in unison being like, man, he should stop playing on clay. He's come back. He's playing good tennis. Yeah. Get him off that surface because he's only going to risk it. But I was seeing here that, you know, he missed all of the tournaments bar one in the clay court tournament last year. So I'm trying to... Yeah, I thought that was this season. He he. This is the only clay game he's played and he got smashed. So yeah. it, it, so it's, it's questionable like, why he even bothered. Yeah, it's like, are you... Are you is it because the fr- like I don't I don't really understand why he's playing on it to be honest. But I I wonder if it's to do with sponsorship or like pressure from economic forces. Oh yeah, they're like, hey, we need to get you out there. When you're 35 <laughs> and you're on the way out, like, why are you going to go and throw yourself into just a game that's going to make you feel like an idiot? Yeah, it seems risky to me, especially with you know the way the rest of the tennis season's going to be. I mean, you've got Wimbledon, you've got uh, you've got uh, the U.S. Open and. He's obviously. I mean, I can't see Murray playing past this year, so it seems like such a big risk. But good stuff for Demonol getting a win over Murray in the first round of the Monte Carlo. So that's a positive we can take away from it. Um, you know what I've been missing? I've been missing a bit of Nick Kyrgios on the courts, who reckons it's crazy, crazy how much clay court tennis there is, because he reckons that it actually elevates um, the ranking of of some players. I'd believe that. I mean. There is an argument about uh, Rafael Nadal. I mean, obviously, he's won, what is it, 152 French Opens. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I definitely think it, I think clay can also be a little bit of the great equaliser when it comes to tennis. I mean, the ball becomes so slow and, and the movement on the court becomes so much more difficult. Uh, you've got to really change your strategy. Whereas you know you got you got two hard court seasons essentially essentially in in uh, tennis when you've got the Australian Open at the beginning and the US Open, of course, later on in the year. So I, I think he's right, but also this is coming from a guy who has not been able to have much success on clay outside of <laughs> some of the lower tournaments. So you know, yeah, I was going to say um, they should actually experiment with the mediums of the court surfaces more oh yeah so because i mean that's that's the purpose right is to mix it what up you want you want bitumen i want no no i want a game where they've got like a court covered in marbles or like you know uh wet grass wet versus grass dry- <laughs> that is wimbledon mate it rains at wimbledon from time to time <laughs> um nick Kyrgios is recovering from his injury and he's meant to be back on the courts for the french open i think in may so we'll see if that happens yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he goes in that. I mean, he's enjoying his brother's wedding, isn't he, this past week, I believe? so. Yeah, I believe he got married. It was a secret wedding, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what the media are reporting. <laughs> well, yeah, his brother kept his wedding, his own wedding secret, yeah, because we're all itching to find out what Christos is doing. Yeah. The Ripkel Pro occurred on Monday at Bells Beach, Australia, with two Aussies triumphant, Ewing in the men's and Wright in the women's. And it's the first dual Aussie champions at Bells Beach since Mick Fanning and Sally Fitzgibbons in 2012. Isn't that two iconic names from uh, Australian surfing that you hear there from 2012? Mick Fanning and Sally Fitzgibbons. Yeah. Bloody oath. That's yeah. crazy. That's huge that we've got two dual champions at the moment. We also had uh, two Aussies sitting at the number one in the surf rankings earlier in the year as well. So, you know, we're still still up there when it comes to what would many people would associate as an Australian sport, I feel, when you go travelling around the world, even though, you know, it's crazy that it's been... That's 11 years since we've I had I think it's joy. crazy that we don't talk about it more um, in media in Australia because, you know, we are a coastal country. Yeah. 
But the thing that stood out, stood out to me most about this is if you look at um, Wikipedia, you can see, um, you know, the winners of each year all the way back till to like 1962. Mm. Um, and the prize money in 2019 was $600,000. And then, you know, because of COVID, they've missed two years. Mm. Come back to 2022, a Brazilian one, and the prize money's $80,000. And then this year, it's also $80,000. So, is there a bit of shrinkflation uh, in the prize money there or something? Or? Well, it sounds like it. I didn't even know that there was such a drop in the uh, in the cash around for the surf tournaments. I mean, of all of the sports around the world, it would have been one of the hardest ones to really keep going when it comes to international surfing. You think of the some of the areas they go to, some of the more remote areas they go to, islands they head to that would have been very much in lockdown. So, yeah, but it's definitely a sport that's trying to bounce back. It's pretty crazy as well, though, something to note that is um, Ewing, who won the men's draw, obviously, his mother was considered a trailblazer for women's surfing, Sick. Helen Lambert, who won the title in 1983, Yeah, uh, which is crazy, splitting apparently a 10-year uh, dominance by American surfers. Now, she like passed away when Ewing was six, so uh, he actually spoke about uh, that in the win as well, the fact that his mother was uh, one, of the, one of the icons of women's surfing back in 83. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Okay, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back in a moment with some AFL and NRL chat. The new Elite Bet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. Elite Bet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet, where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same game multis. The Elite Bet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, Elite Bet is 100% Australian owned. The only betting app you need is Elite Bet. Gamble responsibly. Okay, the AFL announces punishment for Collingwood star Jack Crisp after his lewd video scandal. What do you think about this, Shaq? Yeah, so let let me understand this story clearly and correct me if I'm wrong here. So Crisp was in a chat with a person, uh, flirtatious, getting into the sexting game, everything consensual. Is that correct? According to this, the the context of the texts were appropriate. So right. it's obviously a consensual sexting. Now, he is having this flirt with this person. They decide to exchange photos. He sends a photo, a DP of himself. I would never suggest it. <laughs> um, but he sent them on Snapchat, okay, uh, to this person. And they have now since been leaked and people are now able to see his manhood out there in the open and he is now being punished by the AFL even though this was a conversation that happened in private with a person that he was interested in seeing back in 2018 uh, I'm trying to understand and I could be wrong here if he's in a consensual flirtatious conversation with a woman and he sends her they exchange pictures and those pictures of him are now being leaked is he not the victim of this scenario? Absolutely, he's the victim. Yeah, so then why are the why is Collingwood and the AFL seemingly getting against him? And he's had to issue this apology. So you know what I reckon's actually on trial here? I reckon they're punishing his reputation. Right. I just feel like in a world where we hear this happening to 
you know, young girls, you know, in their twenties that are going on dates and their photos are getting leaked, and this is this is considered revenge porn. Yeah, it is that. You know what I mean? And now it's happening to an AFL player, and we're going, "Oh, he's bad, and he's got to apologise." I'm like, "Hang on, I feel like if my understanding of these of this story is correct, this is a guy that's been." basically had that happen to him someone's gone and leaked private photos of him from a private conversation and we're going well the integrity unit needs to look into him well no maybe the police need to look into the person that leaked his photos okay poor old mr crisp i mean i mean i haven't seen the photo so let's not say too poor maybe maybe he's quite lucky (laughs) (laughs) hopefully he's got an understanding wife um something that is a little bit um Less understandable is the racist remarks being directed at AFL players. Gillan McLaughlin has released a statement on it. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's just a shame that this is a, it's a very it's not exclusive to AFL, but I feel like this is a conversation we're having every damn year when it comes to AFL and Australian sport. I mean, we've seen in the NRL things have happened with the Troll Mitchell already this year, but the AFL has had a what what would we say here? Is it consistent? It's been like a few weeks in a row, it would seemingly feel. Um, some slurs being thrown at certain players during a game uh, and then also Indigenous players copying abuse online um, with messages being sent to them. All these players of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander descent, um, Fremantle's Michael... Uh, Walters, Nathan Wilson also in there as well, sharing some of the comments that have been sent to them. And now you've got, you know, the AFL boss coming out and saying this is not on. Well, at the same time, I still, I know I bang on about it. We're still waiting for your report about some systematic racism that's within the certain clubs in the AFL, mind you. But it's such a hard, yeah, it's, it's so frustrating Watching AFL games being overshadowed by these kind of situations yeah, and yeah, having well, these poor players having to deal with this just going out on the field. When you go, they're out here, you know, you you as a fan bang on about your jersey and bang on about your club and whinge and complain about your team going up in the open experiences jubilation when they manage to make the finals and all of this rolling with them the entire season. The, the kind of behaviour to then attack players in general but then also to attack them based on the idea of race is just disgusting. And it is so frustrating and annoying that we have to keep talking about this and seemingly consistently about the AFL. What is it with AFL fans that are seemingly feeling it's okay to have these kinds of comments directed at players? Well, the world's getting smaller, and if you don't like the bloke that lives next to you, you're going to have a very unhappy life. So either either wake up to yourself... Or just go and meet someone of the group that you've decided you don't like and you'll realise pretty quickly they're exactly the same as you. Oh, but, like, these cowards that go on social media and just, like, you know, they make these fake accounts. That's what was kind of highlighted this past week. They make these fake accounts and they go on and they just decide to berate a player with these racist remarks. It's like, you're a crumb, mate. Like, you, you are so little and insignificant that this is obviously the only way that you can even begin to feel like you're part of anything. And that is pathetic. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see how the AFL goes about things like if we can identify these people. I'm so so all for life-banning people. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm so for it. I like that little fantasy. That's great. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Let's get to the NRL. Uh, Phil Gould 
I reckon lots of people don't like Phil Gould. I, I think he says some very smart things. Mm. Um, and he slammed the issue of awarding penalties based on outcome rather than the penalty itself. Yeah, I think I think we've got to keep an eye on Phil Gould's health every Monday night after an NRL round finishes because <laughs> he seems to get furious every week. I think he actually has been on a bit of a tear lately with um, being right. I've agreed with him a lot on some of these uh, opinions he's had over the NRL when it comes to the rule changes and a lot of these tackle issues. I'm not so sure about his view on concussion, but he's pretty adamant that he's seen some reports that are going to fly in the face of what we believe when it comes to NRL, but that stuff hasn't come out yet. His comments are about the fact that we've seen... We've seen a fair few charges and a couple of lengthy bans already this season for hip drops and contacts of the head uh, with certain high tackles. And he believes that some of the penalties that have happened in-game, and also I believe also in post-game punishment in terms of match review, have been more based on the idea of, hey, you've hit a guy high and now because he's concussed you're going to get penalised more. I agree with him. I think that it's such a grey area that if you start ruling on that, it's really punishing teams for all the wrong reasons. Something we love talking about on this show is which coach is going to be the first to go. I think we've got our answer. We've known this since the beginning of the year. Come on now. Hook from the Dragons is gone. I can't believe the Dragons are doing this in the most disgusting way imaginable. (laughs) They said they were going to fire him in the off-season. They sat on their hands. They didn't, so he started playing. And then they announced three rounds in, three or four rounds in, oh, we're going to be starting to look elsewhere. But he's still the coach and he has to re-interview for his job. And now the rumour is that they've they've released a short list of who they want to be the coach next year and he's not even on the frigging list. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you even be there? Fuck! It's like it's like you're dating a girl, and she goes, "Hey, in a couple of weeks, I want to see other people, and you yeah, know, yeah. I'm going to start going on the dates now. But please, still stay yeah. here in my bed and look after the house and clean the joint. Yeah, no, we're, pack we're, your shit we're and fired. move. You're fired, but we need you here till next Friday. Yeah, pack your shit and move, Hook. Get your bags packed. Leave this team. They suck. They're awful. You owe them nothing. Wouldn't you just be calling <laughs> in sick every day? Like, oh, guys, I can't be this right. <laughs> If he's not ringing Super League clubs right now, there's something wrong with him. Yeah. (laughs) That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, a big thanks to Elite Bet. The only betting app you need. We'll be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, Stephen Ferris here, one half of Fire Up. I'm here with the great Chris Gale, the other half of Fire Up. And Stephen, we've had a lot of fun with rugby league over the years, but with the way the concussions and HIAs are going, I give the game about five years. It's looking dark and gloomy, Chris. So you may as well come and tune into the Fire Up podcast now and listen to the last days of rugby league. As we see the little stuff, it's a soap opera and you're going to love it. Find Fire Up on any podcast app.